Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Last King Podcast. I am your co-host, uh, the mighty Shafiq, along with the amazing Mr. Toffee. <laughs> and joining <laughs> us as our guest is... Uh, I don't have uh, an amazing adverb or you... adjective. I'm just hits. <laughs> Let's just call him the spectacular hits, okay? Of yeah, the... spectacular. Spectacular. Coming back after a, a year-long uh, retreat, I guess. I think we're all bunkering down here because of the situation going on around the world. Yeah. So how are you suffering through the pandemic and the corona, sir? Oh man, I'm, I'm just like everyone else, bored out of my mind, uh, consuming more media, books, TV and movies than I ever have in my life. Uh, and that is especially incredible for me because my job, literally one of my jobs is to review mo- movies and TV. And now I'm just doing it for work and for fun. Uh, it's I've got, I have nothing else to do but like uh, my podcasts are keeping me sane um, I do a, a, a wrestling podcast with my friend Hardy it's called Hard Hits it's a very interesting time for wrestling right now as with many other industries so we'll be, we'll be talking about that soon uh, I also do a podcast called Genre Equality where we talk about uh, sci-fi fantasy horror uh, all kinds of genre content over the past uh, month yeah, and I think when it comes to content, it's been a little bit slim, like, especially for us here at The Last King, because, I mean, thank God for video games and comics, maybe? <laughs> and maybe even Netflix, if you want to think about all the stuff that's coming out online and being streamed as we speak. Yeah, So that's I mean, good. Mm-hmm. I think like we're all being geared towards a world where it's just like Ready Player One. We're all like hunkered down in our trailers with our VR sets. And that is the reality from now on. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the way things are going, especially with the COVID situation. Like, mm-hmm. So it's been spiking pretty Ooh. dramatically. So we have no idea when this whole, like our own, like very different industries and how the economy itself is going to pick up after this situation. Yeah. And uh, also one of the reasons why I have hits here is because, well, you may remember him from uh, last season where we were talking about our favourite movies, TVs. But for all you Last King fans, uh, hits here is uh, what I would call a true blue sweaty. He is a comics guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better term because I mean you're a sweaty <laughs> yep yep <laughs> you get all steamy in the armpits whenever there's a new comic <laughs> oh book <God>. out there <laughs> man <laughs> it's like, I'm, the, I'm the kind of sweaty that buy single issues so yeah very you're few, one of those I'm one of those yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're keeping the industry alive <laughs> sir. you're doing God's work <laughs> not like us assholes here ah no I pirate all my comics <laughs> Now, we've been going digital since um, comics have changed up their, retcon their heroes, actually, like in 2014 or 13. Mm. I mean, that's how far as I remember. I mean, I remember the last X-Men run was definitely not X-Men versus Avengers. It was way before that, before way it before stopped. That, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So, like, uh, let me just introduce the actual special meaning of this episode. There's been news going on in the industry, especially the comics industry, and uh, there's a very special hashtag that's now kind of emanating from, uh, I would say, the Twitter sphere as well, uh, where uh, Marvel, Valiant, ma- mainly, other comic companies are also going to kind of follow suit, where uh, they're issuing out what is called a pencils down order. Now, uh, to explain that, a pencils down order is basically orders from management or up high to writers, artists, editors to stop all ongoing work on uh, whatever comic series they're working on, I would say. And this is all very US-centric. And we, we're paying attention to this because uh, we're definitely fans of comics and like whatever happens over there totally affects our love for comics here. Being here in Asia, seeing like your favorite comic shop close down and not because of COVID, because it's like when Diamond issued the statement that they will be stopping shipping of all product, right? Mm-hmm. And then this was basically, I would say, the uh, catalyst to the chain reaction that's currently going on and that we're paying attention to. Uh, with the current situation of COVID, right, and the fact that there's going to be a lot of people who are struggling to find work. Uh, then we also need to consider like people in the industry, like artists and writers who are 
you you literally can't go into the office but now if the office is not giving you work to do at home what do you do now i'm going to throw this over to hits first uh, when you first heard the news of pencils down like all this uh, messaging going around right what was your initial reaction frankly quite a bit shocked because i don't think there's ever been a point in history where we've had a week let alone a month or two months without regular comic shipping frankly unheard of like, for me as a comic book fan my entire life no, nothing like this has ever happened like even 9-11 like didn't change anything uh, mm. and this was quite a bit of a shock to me and to me it it kind of indicated a seismic change in how the comic industry will move forward past this in terms of distribution what about you over there john i was actually kind of shocked when you told me about this like uh, last week and i did a bit of reading here and there especially from uh, g willow wilson's twitter feed where she got that email from marvel itself and mm, she's yeah, basically that. doing her best to actually like support everyone every other freelancer out there to side hustle here and there so hearing this is like yes i kind of see this happening but not like that kind of big official news from Diamond themselves. And I would think that actually, I thought at this point in time, there were actually other major players in terms of distribution. But as we know, Diamond actually has been around since 80s? I want to say 70s or so? Yeah. Late 70s Pretty, well, pretty while, yes. A yeah. long while. So it's crazy. Like, I don't know how this is going to recoup and everything, but at the same time, it does make a lot of other companies want to have like Marvel, Valiant, DC, or even Image, maybe even pivot to just going digital maybe. But we can probably discuss this like later on, right? So Yeah, because I think one of the biggest, I mean, one of the bigger discussions we should have is definitely when it comes to distribution models and through the medium itself. Uh, but also, uh, as of this recording, there has been an update to the news. So Diamond has announced that they have plans to reopen in May. And... Um, Okay, so when we were putting this episode together, we were kind of thinking like everything was going for a downturn. But now it seems that there's been a lot of reactions from within the comics industry and also from within the publishers and from the companies themselves. Because I think, Hits, you're the one who brought it up to me that DC has also kind of uh, decided to create their own distribution platform. Oh, uh, this is kind of a big deal because Diamond, as, as you know, has kind of held a monopoly over comics distribution in America and all across the world, frankly. And uh, DC made the unprecedented announcement of saying that they will be selling comics directly to shops via two new distributors, uh, Luna Distribution and UCS, which obviously will have massive implications for the future of the industry as a whole. But isn't this very healthy also because then you're creating like competition within the scene because right now it feels to me like Diamond is the monopoly. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you, hit it, you hit the nail right on the head because this is a good thing for the industry as a whole because it means that you'll be able to get to select, you know, a new DC Comics every week now from your local comic shop without mm. Diamond. Uh, and also, like, because a monopoly is never good. So now there is a, uh, an actual direct market competition which will only serve to, bef to better the comics industry. More competitive yeah. pricing and all of that. So do you think, like, maybe Disney should actually also kind of, like, go the way of, like, yeah, we don't need Diamond. We should definitely just distribute stuff ourselves. Probably. I think probably a lot of people were quite upset by what Diamond did. I think m the major issue is because they didn't offer any sort of relief for comic shops. Um, a, lot of the in yeah. a lot of the independent distributors that don't distribute via Diamond did by offering returnability. So within 60 to 90 days, any unsold stock from a current title could be returned at full price to uh, the distributor. Diamond didn't offer that. So I think there's been a huge backlash in the comics industry because of that. and. A lot of the independent, a lot of the indies are moving away from Diamond, or are just not gonna, you know, take their calls anymore. And I think Marvel 
they usually go where the wind blows, so they might also. Man, I would even say that Marvel goes where the wind blows. I think Marvel is a lot smarter than that because I would certainly see right now, right, because they are now kind of experimenting with uh, digital streaming platforms for their TV shows and films. Yeah. I think they did already. Yeah. They did. And, yeah. Then, in fact, they actually released like a bunch of volumes for X Men vs Avenger and a couple of other runs, Captain mm. Marvel runs, mm-hmm. for free for the whole of the. I think for the whole of April, if I recall, because of the whole COVID nineteen thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could that also be an underlying issue when it comes to, I would say, the sales of comic books? Mm. I think like the big question we need to ask is: Is comic books in book printed format still a viable medium? Because, I mean, back in the day, it was like this highly coveted like work of art that you'd be, you'd be getting from your favorite artist or writer. And it's something that you want to seal forever in pristine condition that hopefully one day this will be worth just as much as that Monet in the museum. <laughs> and this is like guys from me who like survived collector scum syndrome back in the 90s. Thinking, oh my god, <laughs> the 90s with all the limited artwork and everything the covers for. Limited variant covers. Like, yes. oh, yeah, this spawn number one is going to be worth a lot of money in 30 years. It'll be for Gentatine's many, many covers. <laughs> God, Gentatine. How about this? Speaking of on the nose of its time characters, uh, have you guys seen Snowflake and Safe Space? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were kidding when you actually brought it up on the notes. And then when I was doing my research, like this, um, what's the team called again? The New, new Warriors. The New New Warriors. It's, it's Warriors. a like, relaunch. What yeah. the f- yeah, what the fuck was this shit? Like, I thought the new Warriors was supposed to be like Speedball and all these other dudes from spin off from the X Men or some other Space Warriors. And then. Bro, they're aging out, up. sir. It, it, okay, it, it, it kind of is because of. Uh, I, I guess you guys remember Civil War. It was a new Warriors accident that kickstarted it, right? Yes, so, yes. Yeah. yeah. So because of that, they had to rebuild the team. Uh, that's the story, lah. I mean, uh, like, okay. also, you have to, like, think in mind, right? The New Wars came out, like, in the late 90s. Uh, yeah. Or late 90s, like, early 2000s was when, like, so-called when they were starting to peak. I wouldn't even say they were peaking. Uh. <laughs> but then again, uh, they're, if, like, D-level like, at best. D-level? Yo, E-level, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely... Like one, step, one step below New Mutants, uh, if I recall. I, I right. hate to say it. These are bottom-shelf characters. Let's just be honest about it, right? We're not even alphabetical anymore. Yeah. They're in the shoebox underneath the shelf. Yeah. It, I'm sorry. It's like the West Coast Avengers look down on them. <laughs> <laughs> or even Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight. Yeah, Don't Canada, you, you know? dare say shit about Alpha Flight. Okay? They give us Wolverine. <laughs> okay, okay. How true, dare true. you, sir? <sighs> And then, but also, we need to mention something like you know, like it's a very nineties thing. You can't like you can't call it new kids on the block forever. Pretty yes. soon, you're gonna age out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you want to put a new on it, it's like I mean, this has been around for twenty years. Are you sure you're still new? I don't think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, when it comes to characters and when it comes to new, I mean, new characters in general. I think like a discussion we should definitely have is the fact that when you look at like say the current state of. Uh, I would say recognizability amongst uh, the pop media culture, right? And then, like, you definitely have to point to characters like Spider Man, Batman, and Iron Man. Like, these are characters that have been around since like the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah, there hasn't been any new new characters, and I'm talking about like not somebody from, I would say, like the last ten years who's actually made a big splash. Um, because like, there have been a couple, I guess. Okay, I mean, like, Kam- who, who Kamala can Khan we think of right is, now? is a big one. 
Oh yeah. But it's like there isn't a Kamala Khan movie yet. Sure, yeah. But I mean they're obviously gonna do it like, because you know dollar sign. Mm. It's it's gonna do well. Because dollar sign. Yeah, and her yeah. character actually does match with like demographics of people who watch movies of a youngster yep. kicking ass. Yeah. It'll no, work. I mean like I would agree that within comics community, Kamala Khan is a big deal and like I'm a fan of her books. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm also on the f- um, I'm also on the team of like I really, really, really am desperate for a squirrel girl movie. Oh man. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. Yeah, I just yeah. want the arc where she defeats Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, please explain that. <laughs> Galactus, Doctor Doom, a bunch of other people, yeah. One thing we also need to mention is the fact that, okay, there are some characters who are not just comic canon, but pop culture canon. They're just right. things and brands that you identify with immediately. Like, you know, something as super, like Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, sure. okay, or even like Spider-Man, they're just ubiquitous, okay? Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily tied to their comic heritage. Mm. Whereas like all these new characters, unfortunately, need to go in, like go through the grind of like you need to work in at least four to five decades worth of solid stories and like interpretations before maybe you hit the big leagues. Yeah, and I would say for like the new comic fan, because I'm going back on my point, or like okay, how do we introduce a new generation? Because despite pandemic, kids aren't buying books as much as we think they are, or as much as we hope they are. Like the prospect of going to comic book shop to buy stuff on paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What is this weird format? What's a book? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we definitely have to be future thinking. So as like, maybe what I want to ask you guys is like, do you think comics in printed form still make sense in this day and age? Um, when you put it that way, no. Um, I, I started my career as a journalist in writing for magazines. Uh, and as you all know, there are no magazines left. At least not, not the printed versions of them. Uh, yeah. Which is how I lost a couple of jobs, just because you know the print version went away, couldn't make money and all of that. And I, it's it it's almost startling to me that it took this long for this to happen to comics, uh, in in terms of physical distribution. Uh, a part of me is resigned to the fact that it has to move to digital because nobody buys paper anymore. But a part of me is also sad because I miss the community of the comic shops, which is where so much of our scene is based in, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the difference between listening to a mix on Boiler Room and going to a club. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. th- th- this is where your people are, this is where you make friends, and it's, it's just different when you talk on Reddit than when you actually talk to people in real life. Yeah, I totally agree with you because I would equate this to like, you know, what's the difference between going to the movies or going to watch something on Netflix? Yeah. yeah. Uh, comic books, because there is the stigma that is the, the hobby of the isolationist, but comic books in its essence is a social experience. Mm. It's about you sharing ideas, uh, sharing your love for art or sharing your sharing your knowledge with other people who are interested in the same nerdy shit as you. And uh, I'm speaking from the point of like maybe 80s and 90s, whereas like all these characters and all these books, right? They didn't have the lofty ambitions and ideals of like, you know, breaking a billion dollars at the box office then. Mm-hmm. Like back in the day, like when you read an X-Men comic, they were talking about like, you know, uh, the plight of the mutants, you know, and how it's a reflection on like, you know, society and racism. Or you can even have something like as super ubiquitous as Spider-Man is like, that story is just, it's so timeless. It's like, he's just a regular kid and he's just forced into all this responsibility, which is the paradigm for every comic book fan is like, one day I need to grow up and face adulthood. <laughs> I'm not quite ready yet. In fact, even when you come into adulthood kicking and screaming, you'll be like, yeah, I'm still not ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to play video games, mom. I don't want to go to school today. You're 40. <laughs> <laughs> you can do what you want. <laughs> Shut up, mom. 
<laughs> Maybe then the question would be like for guys like us, you know, uh, and we all represent different age tiers here. How can we introduce a new guard? How do we get the kids into the comic book shops, and how do we make things welcoming and favorable to them? Uh, that's a really tough question. Um, generally, what would I mean? I mean, the movie is already a good starting point, especially when you watch stuff like the Avengers, all of them, or even Iron Man. Then, when you want to have them coming out to the store like every week or so, again, the whole gatekeeper mentality. Try to tone that down, especially when it comes to like kids, because we started out as kids trying to read these things back in the day, oh, like yeah. in the eighties and nineties or so. So. I mean, let's be, let me, okay, when I actually got my start in comics, it was because of my other older cousins who actually bought these issues here and there. My uncles also bought these old issues of X-Pen and then they pass it down. So what we can do as adults is pass it down to our nephews and nieces, you know, or even our future kids or whatnot. And then hopefully from there, the comic book experience, like just going to the store itself can be the next step. Because right now we're in an age, especially right now, where online chatter and seeing each other is going to be a bit more tougher than usual yeah. so yeah yeah mm. Un- unfortunately like that is the main point uh, the gatekeeper mentality has always been the thing that has held back comics for for so long uh it's a bit like uh, if you guys have seen high fidelity it's it's just a bunch of robs <laughs> out there uh <laughs> yes yes it's 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 a, it's a little tough because i know a couple of friends uh girls who who i think got into black panther because you know, of the movie and they, they went to comic book shops and they were essentially just like kind of waved off like number one they're girls and you know comic guy comic book fans just assume they don't know shit number two they actually, hey. they actually <laughs> m- mostly mostly number two they actually don't know shit so why not help them pick out certain runs certain issues certain writers that they should be looking out for certain trade paperbacks exactly you know get yeah, get yeah. them into it and then you know we we all started as noobs you know a lot of us fo- forget about that somebody got us into this and then we had to do our research and our hardness comes after like 20 years of being in this uh, but you know other people haven't been there yeah, yeah. i think it was also maybe there is like uh the mentality of like, oh, here are my war scars. You know, I had to like dig in the crates for like this specific issue. <laughs> or you have no idea who Animal Man is, do you? You know, and it's like maybe for a lot of these people, right? It's their last bastion of here's the one thing I'm really protective and passionate about. And the less people who get it, yeah. the more it's mine. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. I, I, this is not just a comics thing. With with everything from from niche bands in music. To niche TV oh God, shows yeah. and, and all all those uh, we, we always have a need to protect what we feel is ours and the second it gets mm-hmm. mainstream you feel it's no longer yours mm-hmm. it, it's a weird duality as a fan because I want it to, I want more people to read it I want more people to know about it but the second it happens I start to feel less invested in it yeah, I think I totally agree with you too. Especially like when you made the analogy to how it's comparable to music because it's like people were complaining about hipsters listening to stuff before they mainstream. Yeah. Like, uh, have you even read the original run of Watchmen when it was still single issues? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you haven't collected? Shh, please. Yeah, you know. And, and like, no, you said, like you said, the Wars guys and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I lived through the death of Superman and Clone Saga, you know. Like, did you survive that? <laughs> I survived that. I survived <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, oh god, like we can think of talk about all the missteps and all the mistrials, and then it's like, I mean, but it's also kind of cute when people say like, oh, it'd be so cool if DC and like Marvel were to ever have a crossover. They have. They have. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they it, did. They did. It, it, it wasn't. It very did. Cool. Never remember Amalgam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was terrible. 
Wolverine and uh, Batman. It was a dark claw. That uh, was dark claw. Uh, yeah. boy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like Wolverine and Batman on paper seems like a good idea, and then you realize like yeah no. <laughs> no, it's not. It's this not. Is, this is too nineties even for me. So if I'm not and mistaken, would, um, Stanley was the one who came up with that idea, right? And then uh, he actually wrote the Dark Claw uh sing- first mm-hmm. issue. <laughs> Whoever was I richer then, I guess. Yeah, and and that was the moment I realized that Stanley is an ideas guy and not a great writer. I knew mm-hmm. that ever since that Steve did co-documentary. Oh, right, it's yeah. Like yeah basically, yeah. like, Stanley is basically, I have this idea. Somebody else does it. Hi, I'm Stanley. Here's my idea <laughs> <laughs> that somebody else helped bring to fruition. And he's like, ah, Uncle Stan. <laughs> Learn to be grateful, goddammit. Okay, <laughs> yeah. rest, rest in peace, though. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure right now Jack Kirby is giving him a knuckle sandwich in Los <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's wringing his neck uh, at the police gates. Like, you can't come in. <laughs> uh, okay, but I mean, the gatekeeper mentality, I mean, it exists everywhere and there's nothing we can do about it. Maybe we should do a whole segment later where we all recommend something to all our last king friends know, that, we should that, start reading on. That sounds like a good idea. Like right before we sign off, you know, give a couple of recommendations what you, what you should get into. Maybe I'll do one here for the mid card. Is basically... If you're a fan of the boys on Amazon, read the books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the books are a lot worse. <laughs> it is. They're it a is. lot more mean-spirited <laughs> yes, than, than the TV show. I actually didn't like the boys when it first came out. It was... <gasps> the it, books or the show? Uh, the, the, the book. Like, it felt, it felt too goth energy. Like, it, he became kind of like a parody <laughs> of himself in that book for me. Because it, it was just, you know, straight edgelord, grit, violence... Look at all this blood and how mean we can be, and 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 then it, and then he did crossed. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, that was like the apex <laughs> yeah. of and his like gosh innocence. And then yeah. and you then thought the boys was bad. Right? Yeah, and then when <laughs> but when I watched the TV show, it felt like it kept the themes of what he wanted to keep and mm-hmm. explored it more thoughtfully, just without the negativity, well, as much negativity. There was, was a bit of restraint and there was a bit of a point in the TV show compared to the comic. Yeah. I felt. Yeah. So it felt contained. It felt like okay. I rather you read the book, but at the same time, this TV series exists. I'll point. I'll point anyone to just go for the boys' TV series first mm. before yeah, they go to the comics. That's the entry point because it's like I mean, the boys on uh, is it on Amazon, right? If I'm not mistaken, yep. or is it Amazon? On, Amazon TV, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's on Prime Video. So definitely, uh, if you're a fan of the boys, which we here at the Last King has voted like probably the best TV show last year. Yeah, <laughs> and we we're really desperate for season two. I mean, as much as I do understand the. I would say the restraints and I would do understand that it's not necessarily censorship because there's just some things you can't quite get away with as compared to stuff you can do in the books because it's like yep uh, as much as you say it's super negative edgelord and it's Garth Ennessy and his most Garth Ennessy yeah. that's what I extremely loved about it because it was probably the most cathartic thing he probably did in a long time and you have to understand like this guy gave us Preacher <laughs> yeah yeah. One and of the best series in a while back in the Vertigo days. With, with probably one of the most lukewarm TV show interpretations. Eh, I'm not mm. a total fan, but it's like it's nice that it exists, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. The saddest part about Preacher sure is that it had several episodes that showed what it could be. It just came so infrequently. Mm. It was I a think it's, in- it's more budget. I mean, it's inconsistent. I think it's because of budgeting. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily because they they didn't have the great ideas or they were not paying enough attention to the source material. So okay, that, okay, that's my one uh, recommendation out of the way. <laughs> cool, cool. So like, yeah, here, here the last game podcast and also genre equality. If you need any um, 
introductions to comic books or into any characters or something, yeah, let us know. Yeah. We we are the, the gate openers. <laughs> Let's just say that. Definitely, okay. I, I would come love on to, in. <laughs> I would love to recommend something. We all all our podcasts are essentially we just mansplain things to people. And uh, <laughs> if, if if you want us to mansplain something to you, just just give me a shout. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, spoiler warning, Mansplain is the villain that's revealed for the new warriors. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, I'm like, gonna, just, don't give Marvel ideas, come on. <laughs> just to give you a little uh, like heads up, like my wrestling podcast was originally called McMansplaining. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, I'm go sorry. Alright, sweet. <laughs> I'm buying the domain right now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, uh, but okay. I hate to bring up the new wars again because, okay. yeah, as much as it's definitely like it felt like an April Fool's joke when it was first announced. Yeah. Unfortunately, right. Despite the fact that uh, this is designed to make me not want to buy it, I am still that curious. I just need to know. It states that worst part of curiosity where you know you're gonna buy garbage, but you're just gonna <laughs> buy it because it's like, how are they gonna change up these new warriors? You know, like because it's part of your comics credo. It's like I own it. I'm not ashamed. Okay, I am yeah. ashamed, but yeah. I own it. <laughs> but but the saddest part about the new warriors thing is that it actually offended the SJW people more than anyone else they called it they called it pandering <laughs> they called it two on the nose they called it dumb uh, and that that is the people that you're trying to target right and if they hate it the right wing yes. people hate it the trolls hate it the h slots hate it this new warriors has successfully united comic book fandom <laughs> in a way that i've never seen perhaps that is the true dream that is, that, that is <laughs> even even thanos couldn't have done this you no. know what i mean it's like maybe this was the plan all along to unite all of us <laughs> <laughs> to put a stop to this? Yeah, not through a huge crossover but from a reboot for like an E-listed. <laughs> yeah, well, this is like some James Bond villain level bullshit. Like, wait, <laughs> <Yeah>. what? <laughs> uh, but uh, I think I also want to kind of touch on the fact that like maybe for new comic book fans, right? And, and this is something that actually uh, personally happened to me when I was like, uh, you know, there was definitely a friend of mine who was really into the Marvel comics. Uh, I mean, the Marvel comics movies like okay huge iron man fan he loves iron man because it's basically very similar to uh what he is actually more in love with which is like you know the anime messenger like golden robots uh archetype okay so it's, it's a guy in a, in, in armor and then he's like oh hey, uh, where do i start with iron man right and i say like just find any number one and then you'll be fine okay that was the first mistake i made mm. because then he bought the iron man where it's a with a young black girl and he was like, and then he was like, "Where's Tony Stark?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah." Oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah he's been dead for a while. <laughs> yeah, he's just the voice of the AI that of of uh, Riri Williams now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that that was that was a huge mistake. <laughs> I'm sorry, friend. Okay. I mean, if you sorry, do want to read Iron Man, like obviously we mentioned Demi in the bottle. Uh, Matt Fraction's run was really good as well, so you can check Fraction, that out. Matt Fraction, yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but this is, I think, what I want to say. Like, I think besides the gatekeepers, we also need to get guys to like. Okay, if somebody asks you sincerely, or maybe maybe like you know, just off the cuff, they want to know like, hey, hey, where do I start? Right? Please be honest and please tell them exactly what you know. I think that's just as important because I think for a lot of comic book fans, right? Like, especially right now, like they will look at like, oh, I really like Batman stuff, and then like you have Gotham High, which is like reimagining Bruce Wayne as a. A, a, a crazy rich Asian from Hong Kong is <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, sure. Like, and then you have to be like the goalkeeper to be like, okay, don't start there. Yeah, maybe yeah. we start with um, I don't know, 
Dark Knight Returns. Okay, if that's too heavy for you, maybe uh, I don't know. Okay, Killing Joke. Wait, no, that's worse. <laughs> Uh, Batman Year One. Would that Batman be Year One. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we start with Batman Year One. They even have they even have comics version of the Batman animated series, which actually wasn't too bad. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. some of the guys got some of the guys like uh, not Mark Miller. There were other new artists and uh, Matt Fraction. No, no, there were other writers who actually got to start from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we I think we also need to kind of bring awareness to future comic book fans, right? Like, okay, this is gonna be a huge universe you're diving into. If you don't know where to start, we can only help you so far. But then there's going to be a lot of times where you're definitely going to be waiting in there by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would say this, uh, I mean, as a medium, right, I think one thing that we as comic book fans definitely enjoy and we definitely love is because it's like this infinite ocean of stories and characters you can just drown in. Yeah. And it's like, I think maybe that could also be a, a stifling point for new fans of comic books. Oh, 100%. Like, like, distributors like, where do you start? have been trying to reboot or streamline their, their universes for so long, you know. All the different... Mm. I don't know how many different crises there have been. It's it, it, <laughs> just never stuck, you know. But the whole idea was to basically streamline their, their universe, right? Same thing yeah. with... Uh, what New 52. Yes, New 52. And same thing with what uh, I think Hickman did with uh, Avengers and, and Fantastic yeah, yeah. Four. It's just, it's just never stuck. Mm. I mean, there's no timeline that you can really truly follow. Yeah. And I think maybe that's probably why they would gravitate more towards the films because that is a singular timeline. I mean, as much as they're flirting with time travel, and as we see later in the Spider-Man movie that followed, I think, what was it called again? Far From Home, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, okay, couldn't we solve all these problems with the time machine we have back from Endgame? Mm. I think maybe for the newer fans, right? Okay, besides the, the, the prospect of like, okay, I need to buy this book. And then there's that fear of like, what if I buy the wrong book? Which is something we as comic book fan collectors also back in the day kind of felt. But then nowadays, it's like, okay, you got online websites, you got reviews, you got definitely... Even on Comixology, you get to sample maybe a couple of chapters or a couple of pages before you actually go down and, like, you know, put down some hard-earned cash on it. Maybe, do you feel like nowadays, maybe with the mentality of the future generation where they don't have quite the collector mentality like maybe guys from our generation do? Because it's like, for us, it totally makes sense to still buy CDs or maybe it still makes sense to buy Blu-rays because we want to have a copy of it with us at all times and then we're talking about a whole new generation of kids right who now enter like you know straight out of the womb and it's Netflix okay oh it's online forever or YouTube it's online forever I don't need to have any like you don't need to have any possessive qualities about it I mean you guys want to kind of comment on that maybe like maybe comics is the only analog is like vinyl records you know if you need to own it and if you need to be precious about it here you go so it's like could that probably be it because I think maybe there is a whole new generation of people who just do not have the same attributes or the same kind of sentimentality that we do I would agree I think the paradigm has shifted uh, past beyond the point of no return already as you mentioned these kids they grew up on Spotify and Netflix they've never had the inclination to uh, open up or, or like buy a new closet to put to put comics to put CDs to put uh, things that they own you know so yeah I mean shifting digitally is probably the wisest move but like I said like it's sad for me like, who grew up in the old school and in comic shops but mm. it seems to be inevitable at the moment 
But I think, do you think it would make sense? Because I think they did try this with a few times because there's always been remastered versions. Like, how many times did you buy the Dark Knight Returns, you know? And did you have the 25th anniversary deluxe box set edition? See, okay, those are the things that I, f- I think actually kind of ruined the comics industry. The, altered, the, the variant covers, the 25 uh, remastered editions, the 25th anniversary stuff, you know? It's, they're making you pay over and over and over again for something that you already own. Uh, and it is blatant greed uh. and a lot of people fell into the trap especially in the 90s of buying variant covers of buying mm-hmm. number ones and wasting a shit ton of money expecting a lot of return and ends it, up yeah we all did that we, we all did <laughs> yeah. that I did that and it, that, yeah. that return just never happened and I think it disillusioned a lot of the buying public and I think like maybe this is the kind of stigma that's being rolled off the tongues of most of us old school guys to the new generation is like do you want to buy it to collect or do you want to buy it to read the stories mm. because if you're just reading the stories maybe the books are not for you so yeah, maybe the, the digital stuff will be better actually if you want to read the yeah. stories yeah. and I would say like but then of, of course comes the other conversation where basically like alright I know you can also buy this online and then they'll be asking us why is it the same price <laughs> 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 you're paying for the art okay <laughs> and the story alright you know, the, the staple in the paper is free, technically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do have to say, though, like, in terms of the big two, you are correct. Marvel with Marvel and DC and the infinite ocean of content out there. But um, yeah. buying physically, it seems a bit daunting. But I think with independent comics and miniseries and stuff like that, you know, graphic novels, uh, mm. it is still wiser to buy trade paperbacks or collected uh, editions. I don't know. I think that's also me kind of romanticizing the old school era of basically... You know, you. it's hard to probably introduce these kids to a nostalgia they have no idea. Oh, of course, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I, I am kind of wondering if comics ever do shift permanently to, to digital as we kind of assume it will be in the next few years. Will there be a cyclical trend of nostalgia from people who didn't experience the initial uh, buying of physical comics? You know, a lot of the people buying the vinyl and cassettes right now weren't from the era that bought vinyl and cassettes. They just feel nostalgia for an era that they didn't live through, which is strange. But it, it does happen. La. So I'm wondering whether it could happen with comics as well. I mean, like, as for myself, like, I had a phase where I was really into big bands for some reason. And it's because I was introduced like, to Squirrel Nut Zippers and like Zoot Suit, mm. right? And I'm like, oh, right, okay, this is not of my era, but there's something unique and fresh. Yeah. And I think it just triggers something in the imagination where you realize like people were that creative then and then you just dive into it. Mm. And I would say like, maybe like, yeah, I do agree with you that comics should definitely embrace digital distribution and existing totally online, but there should always be like, you still need to make print versions of it for the hardcore collectors because those guys, I think no matter what generation there is, there will always be that small niche. And the thing is, if you don't cater to the niches, right, you know, what are you going to do? Right? But it's like... The niche is your base. The niche is your base and then the mainstream is basically your bread and butter. And the thing is, like, you can trust the niche to always come through mm. when it comes to yeah. buying product. Especially with Marvel stuff, it feels like they're not pretty much in tune with the niche anymore. And it's it makes total sense. It, t- it makes total business sense that it's lowest common denominator. They want to sell tickets, they want to sell t-shirts, they want to sell toys. They're not really that interested in telling good, I would say, Iron Man stories as they used to. You know, because it's like, yeah... Uh, we can flirt with maybe Robert Downey Jr. being, you know, obsessive with alcohol. But it might be a little bit too on the nose, especially for the actor, not so much the character. Yeah, yes. the actor. So like, yes. yeah. <laughs> I doubt he can, I don't we can do that. At least once in a while, uh, there was a time when Marvel kind of still took chances because it's like, 
Nobody thought there would ever be a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's and like we a, got like two sequels with an upcoming got, sequel coming out soon. Upcoming yeah. sequel, you know. And it's like, as a as a Guardians fan, is like, I'm fine with the Rocket Raccoon version. And it's like also like that thing at the back of your head where like, wait, the director of Slither has a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. And he's doing Guardians. Yeah, the guy who made Star in Troma is doing a Marvel movie. Yeah, holy crap. Not just that. It's like Michael Rooker is gonna be Yondu. <laughs> And it worked. None none of this makes sense. And when you watch it, like this is gloriously ridiculous. And I think as long as that still exists within like the corporations, right? Because it's like I totally agree with you along the sense of it. We don't care about the reinterpretations. Go ahead. We've suffered through decades of those already. Mm. You know, we've seen alternate timelines, we've seen Hilton's, we've seen all sorts of shit, you know. And like I, I also recall like during the height of maybe the Captain America movies, like I think right around Civil War, and then in the comics he becomes like a, a deep cover agent for Hydra, yeah. and everybody freaked out, and it's like, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, his... and might I add, they f- they freaked out with the reveal from issue one without actually finding out what the real story was. Yeah, yeah, he was a deep, deep, deep cover agent, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, a, a lot of people actually forget as well that I think the MCU, for as much flag as they got, started out as a very risk oriented company because hiring Robert Downey Jr. doing an Iron Man movie a lot of people don't remember that Iron Man making an Avengers movie like that was like yeah that tanked there was a lot of buzz that was that was that was a long shot and a half sir and and, and Iron Man was a serious character at best he wasn't he wasn't a Superman (laughs) not anymore exactly they made him an alias character I wouldn't say Marvel I would say just John Favreau's directing and Robert Downey Jr. Basically nailing the better parts of the Tony Stark idea. At that point, mm-hmm. that was Marvel though. John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. Before it expanded, lah, and it did mm. get heavily plot oriented towards Phase Three because they were trying to pay off a third act of a very long TV show, which is why they weren't mm-hmm. introducing new characters and taking more risks. Now that the third act has ended, I'm hopeful that Phase Four will start taking those risks again as they build up towards another. They have big story. to. Yeah. Like similar to Iron Man, like we're originally kind of C tier. I mean, the only A tier from the first lineup was definitely Captain America. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the, and the thing is, right? I like the way that they did him right. Like, you gotta get the intro. If you gotta introduce this to a whole new generation, get him right first, because it's like for me, I don't want the studios to be totally responsible and in charge for the handle, because it's up to guys like us. We have to be there to tell all the kids. Is like. Yeah, okay, that's fun, but okay, this is what the character's about, or if you're interested in that, you should check this out. It kind of also feels upsetting to me that a lot of uh, what determines success for a lot of characters is based on, like, you know, mainstream appeal. Because it's like, uh, even for maybe late last year, uh, when we were deciding our favorite TV shows, right, I, I, I nominated Swamp Thing as, like, the, the underdog, one of the best TV shows based off a superhero. And that thing ate shit. Like the in the entire streaming platform was banking on that so hard, and it just got cancelled even before it like completed its run. Even before the first episode. Even before. Yeah, the even first before. Episode. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like I did not expect to have a Swamp Thing TV show with some of the most compelling characters and some straight up horror, some of the best yeah. body horror ever. Yeah. It feels like you know there's so many threads and so many things I need to juggle when I need to explain comics to people in general. Mm. And also right now, especially during the pandemic and the fact that all these stores are shuttering, like I think maybe what I'm really most terrified about is the fact that, okay, if they're not paying artists or if artists are not going to just branch off and do other things or if comic book stores are not going to stay open, this could be the end. Because 
like sure we can go digital but like think about it this way is like when you think of like say the equivalency of say something like music you know what was the last great band you heard and is it because you saw them on Spotify or is it because somebody recommended it to you or because somebody like handed you like a physical copy of something like okay check this out you know what I mean because I think when it comes to the culture and it comes to maybe what is really important about nerddom fandom say what you want to well. we're gonna lose the ability for us to pass things on from me to you mm-hmm. because it's like we can always tell somebody go ahead and sign on to the streaming service and check this out right but let's be really honest even when your friends recommend you something to watch on Netflix or iTunes right you just like look at the link and like okay I'll check it out later because there's something so disposable about it okay even if I forget about this that thing will still exist out there yeah yeah. but it's like totally different to like say back in the day when like okay here I'm gonna pass you this uh, CD this band's called Rage Against the Machine you have it for 7 days give it back to me after a week okay or I'll kill you mm-hmm. and then <laughs> yeah. you hear it and then there's like this, this sense of uh, like that limited sense of like okay I need to give this back and I need to absorb as much of this as possible and indulge in this and it's gone from me forever mm-hmm. and feels like it's not just going to be the medium it's also going to have to be the stories and the characters it's going to definitely have to be writers I hate to say this you need to up your game we live in a world where it's like people are going to be constantly distracted with the fact like it's not like back in the day like if you read a Marvel book or you read a certain artist or I mean you, you follow a certain artist or you read just one guy you know like you can be like say a huge Alan Moore guy and like okay that's your lane right but now it's like you, you, the next generation everybody's clamoring for the same amount of attention and everybody's got their Kickstarter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and like whatever to bombard you with like attention. And it's like, I think like where do we start? You know, and how do we sift through all of this? I mean like guys, like how would you probably change the way we share comics now? This is tough. Um, I personally loan out comics that I own to friends. Uh, it's just mm. easier that way. And, and, and like you mentioned, you know, the whole limited date of it like you return this back to me in a month uh, you know you read through it you know? <laughs> uh, that, that helps like. it's a bit like borrowing a book in the library right but yeah. at the same time also it's not feasible for the future la, because it, comic shops will be rent- as sad as it is la, might be rendered obsolete especially after this coronavirus uh, epidemic la, and, and all the losses mm. that they're taking so how would I hand off to the future oh, man that's that's a tough question there's no real easy answer to that. I don't. I don't know. It's 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 bizarre, man. And I mean, I also don't have an answer to that too because it's like I can only share with them what I know and what I have already. Mm. Yeah. Maybe what is also important to acknowledge is like, hey, nobody helped us when we started out. Maybe they'll be fine. Perhaps, yeah. But at the same time, also yeah. when we started out, we weren't saturated with hundreds of thousands of hours of content every every week you know yeah. Netflix we were not bombarded with stuff to like distract them yeah, yeah. I don't think Netflix or uh, any or Comixology even existed at that time when we were starting out comics anyway of so, course yeah you had, that one, period, you had yeah. that one TV show like I sit down in front of the couch at 9pm and watch the X-Files you know and that was it like 9pm sir it was at 10.30 on a Monday so I know I was, yeah. I was speaking <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, you you get what you mean, lah. There it was just less to consume back then, and now it's it's not a comics centric problem. It's an entertainment problem in general because yeah. it afflicts every entertainment industry where people mm. have so much that everything is disposable. Yes, and it's hard it's hard to stand out and it's hard to market, which is actually the biggest thing I feel, because I don't actually think storytelling is an issue. Because if you look at 
Marvel, let's say Marvel for like the last five years, there have been a lot of great stories. The Jason Aaron Thor stories, um, Matt mm, Fraction on, on Hawkeye, <laughs> and Tom King on Vision, you know, stuff like that. Those are Eisner-worthy titles and, and fantastic storytelling. In fact, it will be iconic, like, in years from now when you look back, those, those will be like formative titles. But nobody read them because it's just so hard for the marketing to get through. And I think marketing in, in today's age, despite the fact that it's so easy to market, it actually, that might be the problem because it, it makes it easy for everyone. Yeah, everyone is doing the same thing. It makes you hard, hard, hard to stand out, especially with something as, I would say, as something as kind of high concept as that vision run from Tom King. Yeah. yeah. Especially. Yeah. I love that book so much. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. Nuts. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, but I also, I mean, I hate to also roll back on the previous point because it's like when it comes to marketing, right, it also kind of feels like so sad to me, like, a lot of the current response is like the, the kind of tone deaf shit they're doing with like say the new warriors where mm. they're taking SEO terms and buzzwords and stuff that is like uh, topical okay, quote unquote and then just slapping it onto characters and like here this is this is stuff you all talk about here this is what all you uh, guys on like uh, Twitch and the YouTube club events these are the, 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 the kind of things that you know is in the vernacular in the lexicon right now so yeah we need to stay relevant by keeping track of that mm. and it's like it's like how I feel about like you know um uh, Basically, I mean, marketing does play a point, right? But I think it's... I think they need to also kind of narrow their vision when it comes to what demographic truly deserves the attention that they should be giving out to. Because if you're going to make it lowest common denominator and say like, okay, we're, we're tracking basically uh, Google Analytics and it says like, these are the words that are really popular right now online. We should create characters based around those. It's like... That's also, not the way to do storytelling, unfortunately. And it never worked. And it's been, yeah. I mean, like, it's, and I'm also saying, like, something like the New Warriors, that's not new to us, too. Like, because back in the 90s, like, how many grunge superheroes were there all of a sudden? Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, you know, how many edgy characters were there? How many characters had to go through their, their dark, edgy phase? Oh, yeah, like, okay, just, not, just give them a bunch of pouches. Yeah. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shout outs to Rob Liefeld. <laughs> <God damn. laughs> Shout outs to Cable. Okay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> What's he keep in those pouches? I don't know. <laughs> His other eye. I don't know. Oh no, no, shout out to Strife. Jesus Christ, Strife. that fucking idiot. Shout out to everybody in the Wildcats. Right? Yes. Why do you have so many bullet pouches? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <sighs> hey, it's nice to take it back to the 90s every once in a while. Oh god, yeah. Dude, uh, Rob, Rob Liefeld is laughing his way to the bank because of that Deadpool movie. He's fine. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He, Fuck he, yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. He's fine, okay. What's worrying actually mostly about comic sales? I I was I was doing some digging yesterday in, in you know researching for this particular episode. So I went to Comic Cron and I looked at the overall comic sales over the past few years from 2012 to 2018, which was the last time they updated. Uh, and it has seen, except with the exception of 2016, it has seen pretty steady growth over over every year. Uh, to the point where between 2015 and 2018, they were making a billion dollars of pure profit every year from point of uh, point of sale contacts. So the, that is good and healthy for the industry, but what is worrying is only uh, less than one third of those sales came from physical shops. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of them, like half of the rest, came from book shops. So people were buying trade paperbacks from like you know Kino and, and Borders and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And then they the, don't exist as the rest in their form anymore. Yeah, and, and the rest were buying from online. So it's actually the mom and pop, the brick and mortar comic shops that are struggling to sell comics, even though comics are selling like hotcakes people are just buying it elsewhere so I think that could also be the problem yeah I agree with you there too because it's like because I think I mean especially here in Singapore where like the specialty stores are just disappearing yeah 
or they're changing business model. And I think also like maybe, I mean, I'm not going to speak on behalf of somewhere like the UK or United States mm. because it's like I'm not there on the ground to see what happens because all I can do is just follow what the news is on and like basically, like I do see out there that like say in the San Francisco area, like uh, Emerald Comics is closed down. Like legendary places are closing down because they can't even make rent. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's sad to me because it's like you can tell me that like okay, we, we uh, comic sales are amazing, okay, billion of dollars. Maybe people are like you know ordering it online from Amazon or something like that. We also don't know because those numbers uh, could be either padded or truncated. Mm-hmm. You know? We can't really you know we we don't really have the hard stats on that. But it, like if like actual comic book store owners you know from like from their own mouth say like okay we we have to shut down nobody's buying books you know or like we're not making sales we don't know what's going on mm-hmm. uh, it, it's definitely more along the lines of like yeah the paradigm shift is not only going needs to happen it's probably happening whether we like it or not mm-hmm. and it's just going to be a, a brave new world a new way of thinking and a new way of like i don't know that like, i mean it's it's kind of sucks to think like like we would we are of the generation that already knows how antiquated the landline is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and imagine like once we like once the next generation comes up and then it's like, oh, what's that? Oh, it's a comic book. Huh? It's a paper. It's a, it's a staple piece of paper you read. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it's like right now, like even Comicsology, they've been flirting with the fact that they have like, you know, uh, the actual comics being read to you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like there's, there's, like there's, an audiobook but visual and you know automatic there, there's scrolling there's one less cognitive physical thing you need to do you're just you're describing to, a visual novel basically yeah, well, motion comics yeah. right yeah, motion like, comics yeah. reading, and it's like, it's like scrolling for you and you're like okay you know like there's uh, it sucks to think that you know there's like I, I guess I don't want to sound like an old fuddy duddy but I also kind of feel like if you're gonna eliminate all the engagement aspects, you know, when it comes to collecting, going to the store, buying, talking to people about it, arguing with people about it, mm-hmm. talking to gatekeepers, having it in your hands, having it in your collection, right? Okay, once all of these things get eliminated, right? Maybe, I mean, what I really want to gonna boil it all down to is like, you know, comic books just aren't comic books anymore. It's not the same thing. It's not the same medium. It's like, we can't call this an album or a record, you know, it's, like, it's a collection of MP3s on a streaming service. You know, there's no artwork there's no lyrics there's no like looking at liner notes anymore mm-hmm. it's a totally different thing now and it's like I guess we need to just embrace that because I can also recall like I mean think about our dads and our dad's dads you know and like back in the day when it's like oh back in the day you know we used to have a radio show I would listen to the Lone Ranger <laughs> you know it's like like we cannot relate to that at all <laughs> Not at all. You know, although, at all. although uh, weirdly enough, like we do do podcasts, so I guess we can relate to that. In terms, we should of, do an entire <laughs> reading of like maybe a comic book, and we all just do voices. No, I, think I they'll catch on. I mean, like a lot. Of the, the, <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> a lot of the most popular podcasts out there are actually narrative podcasts. So it, it is like uh, the audio drama has come back. Yeah, like, we did talk about uh, my dad. He's creating a porno. That's my also dad wrote a porno. Sense, right? uh, my, my dad wrote a porno. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yeah. especially the episode where Emma Watson reads a chapter. I was like, mm, why am I enjoying this too much? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, she's she's of age. It's fine. <laughs> I keep forgetting. She, she's in her twenties now. <laughs> Not creepy. Man. Anyway, I don't know. Um, tell me what. So you know, I guess that whole message is like everything is gonna. Everything old will come out new again. If it's happening to those Lone Ranger serials on the fi- in the fifties, turning into like episodic stuff you can download on Spotify, mm-hmm. 
comics are probably going to do the same. It's just that you're not going to have those uh, limited ma and pa shops anymore, though. Yes, that's yes, pretty yeah. much it. I, I think that is the one thing that we can probably say for certain that's going to happen within the next five to ten years. It's those specialty ma and pa shops, right? and as sad as that is, uh, uh, that will probably be quite devastating in terms of you talking about people to hand down the culture mm. and the, the legacy and the heritage. You know, those are the people. Uh, and, and in a way, the, the internet has sort of democratized how we consume entertainment. So people are no longer going to gatekeepers for any uh, form of entertainment anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't need your opinion anymore. You're not. I don't need to talk to the guy behind the counter or the register at the comic shop anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I, just buy the, yeah. I just buy the thing. And it's my own bad decision to make. Mm. Yes. Yeah, but I also maybe because this is me coming from old man corner here, right? <laughs> it's just basically... I need to kind of probably explain to those within my age range where it's like, you know what? It's a sign of the times. Uh, it's a it's a new it's a paradigm shift. You know, there's gonna be a new mentality about it, and we just need to come to terms and let go of the past because it's like you know you can you know hold it aloft on like you know all these platforms, right? But you know, hey, even the Coliseum is nothing but a pile of rubble now. Mm. You know, sometimes the memory is all you need. You don't <laughs> we don't need to keep we need to progress as a species and like you know when your art is being like when it's something like your art that's being i would say okay it's taking on a new form right and it's like unrelatable to you but if it's relatable to them and it touches them the same way that you know how the story and the characters and the artwork touched me mm. then it's fine i got nothing to worry about man i i think maybe to answer the question is like is is american comics dying and i say no mm. <laughs> it's survived worse it survived world wars. It survived the comic code. It survived the clone saga, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, su- it, su- it survived Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. The yeah. pouch era. I think, I think the main premise is that the, how the industry will, won't die, it just will change and it will look yeah. totally different. And I'm okay with that. Mm. Yeah. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean like, I'm pretty sure even a century from now, Iron Man is still a thing. <laughs> you know, a century from now, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, the, the ubiquitous ones, definitely still a thing. Not so much the new warriors. <sighs> Not too much, no. But the more so. important superheroes, of course. They're going to be living on in different forms mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the Greek mythology is still going on right now. People still know exactly. who those characters are. So it will be something similar. This is the new mythology. Especially when they, you know, appear in the Marvel movies too. Oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, he's Norse. Wait, who has the... No, Hercules, Hercules is, is Greek is mythology. Hercules. Yeah, there's a Marvel Hercules. And he's in yeah, Marvel. So. There's a Marvel Hercules, there's a DC Hercules too. Yeah. So let me tell you, uh, maybe uh, guys from uh, Greek f- uh, folklore, uh, yeah, you gotta get them licensing rights done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this public domain shit, you get no money. <laughs> I'm thinking like maybe are there like this descendants of maybe like I don't know whoever wrote this like Homer who wrote the Odyssey is like I want my residuals <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean my great 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 grandfather wrote the Odyssey <laughs> where are my residuals <laughs> no um, actually like that's not possible with with most trademark and copyrights they expire in a hundred years which is why you know things like Frankenstein and Dracula are, are, are public own right now so anybody can do a Dracula story anybody can do a Frankenstein story yeah I know I yeah. saw the Netflix one it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell you what maybe 
what I also want to kind of uh, speak on about is also with the current situation with coronavirus, with the pandemic, with comic book shops shuttering. Let's put a little light at the end of this very dark and winding tunnel too, because maybe uh, we could also talk about how the community is giving back. I mean, we have uh, comic book legend Jim Lee, who is uh, auctioning off sketches and artwork. That's his way of trying to keep... Uh, I think the idea is basically, if you buy a, an art piece from him, you get to name the next character, and all the money that he gets from the, the drawing goes to a comic book store of his choice. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, which I think, you know what, props to him for uh, giving back to the to what made him who he was today. Mm. And also, I also want to bring up to something that was uh, recently announced is like uh, Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith is the reason I'm aware of the whole Diamond Saga because it was on his Fat Man Beyond podcast mm. where he also physically reacted to the fact that Diamond Publishing was shuttering. Like he is footing the bill for his customers by like, you know, he's just paying for all the pull is. Mm-hmm. So it's like I mean the thing like at the back of my mind is like re- he, he he can like really did these movies make money <laughs> or is it all those clerks residuals? It's like that's what's keeping the mansion going. I think apparently he didn't get his clerks royalties. Uh, Harvey Weinstein Harvey Weinstein uh, kept it, and he, oh. he he tried suing him for it, and he still hasn't seen a dime from clerks. Now he's in jail. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's one of the few guys who. Definitely, like, he's I mean, in Hollywood and sort of keeping it real with the whole comic. I mean, he's yeah, still he, is doing his throwback with comics anyway. Like he's still respected. I would his say legacy. this right: it's because of Mallrats, he got humbled really fast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, that's way too much of a tangent. Uh, but I know, guys, what other ways can we help comic stores recover and adapt? Oh man, uh, there are a variety of ways actually. Uh, we, you should actually encourage your specific comic store to, uh, look for distributors other than Diamond. Uh, UCS and uh, Lunar Distribution in particular now because they might not know that they're not carrying DC anymore. Uh, yeah, so if you want to get comics as of as early as two weeks from now, you should actually encourage your local comic store to kind of end Diamond sort of monopoly and look through yeah. these other distributors for titles. Uh, and this is us speaking to our US audience, definitely. Yes, de- definitely as well. Uh, and in general, just try to go to your comic book store. I mean, I know now it's not possible, uh, but when it is possible, go there and pick up physical issues. I know a lot of us old school fans don't even do that anymore, but we should try again. Yeah, and we're not talking about going to Kinokuniya. We're going to whatever existing toy store out there that we that actually holds comics, you know, yeah. like those little limited places. Yeah, do, like actual Very rare here in Singapore. <laughs> no, yeah. There's, like, there's none of them left. There's probably one or two and they've been shuttered because of coronavirus. Uh, and I'm correct. really worried to see how they're doing. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess from a Singapore standpoint, there's not really much we can do. Yeah. But if you, if you do live in countries that are lucky enough to still have mom and pop, uh, local comic shops uh, do support them if you want to buy them la. like don't order on Amazon don't go to Kino don't go to Borders or go to your local comic book shop yeah, just take the, the time to drive down or walk down to yeah. just mm. buy it yeah. and who knows you may, yeah. you may make some friends there or you might meet your, your first gatekeeper and then you have to deal with him oh god <laughs> <laughs> look it's a rite of passage we all went through it mm-hmm. okay Okay, maybe on that note, let's just wrap this up with maybe, how about this, uh, guys, let's, uh, for our last King fans, and also for fans of genre equality, if you're listening to us here also, hey, welcome, what would be, what would be the books you would want to recommend, especially during this time of uh, the pandemic? Well, uh, there are a few things, I'm, I'm not to be cliche, but if you have not read Saga, please read Saga, 
Oh, uh, yes. Brian K. Vaughan's okay. magnum opus, I think. Probably the best thing he's ever written. And that's saying a lot because I like most of his stuff. Uh, so you do pick up Saga if you can. It's on Image, I believe. Uh, uh, Image Comics, you're right. Yes, it's Image. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and also, I'm not going to recommend like popular stuff on DC. Like, you know, Batman. Everybody reads Batman and stuff like that. But I would recommend Mr. Miracle by Tom King as well. Uh, mm-hmm. That's an amazing title which you should definitely read. Um, I think those uh, those are the two big ones. I would also recommend a comic called uh, Wicked and the Divine, which just recently wrapped up its run. Uh, oh, how, you, how is it? Uh, I want to get in. Uh, Kieran Gillen, Kieran if Gillen. I recall. He's yes, yeah. Uh, former it, rock paper shotgun guy. Yeah. Correct, yes. And it's sort of a comic about uh, deities reborn as rock stars. Uh, it's actually really amazing. I... I I didn't pick it up. Like, I didn't buy it monthly, but I, I kind of read the trade paperbacks recently, and I, I breezed through all the issues in two days, and it was it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I would recommend those titles. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I remember there's this one shot from Marvel that came out. This is a very long time ago. Uh, Warren Ellis wrote it. Uh. It's Next Wave, if I recall. It's like basically like a bunch of C D lister heroes team up to defeat this uh organization in very flagrant non secretor kind of style like they brought back a clone of Dormammu to fight they brought back like a bunch of weird things here it's like the weirdest kind of plot lines but done in like six or seven issues or eight issues like it's a very short run but it's a very hilarious kind of I series I totally love that story especially like the one thing that got me laughing my ass off was when they were fighting through a corridor full of T-Rexes and like <laughs> oh yes that, that basically like each, pan, each page was a spread yeah that yeah, was so good it's basically T-Rexes and the next one is like a room full of Mordocks and I'm like yeah, this book doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. It's like, this is the most this fun I had in a It's weirdest when he's working <laughs> with a publication. Let's see, other stuff. Uh, I guess I could recommend Sandman. <laughs> All of it. Like the first seven uh, trade paperbacks. Oh, that's a great recommendation. Yeah, read Sandman before fucking they make a movie and ruin it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> they're going to bring in uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the lead, uh, as Dream, as Morpheus. He, he lost the rights to it. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah, he had a, oh. he had to make the movie within five years. It's been five years, so he lost the rights to it. He was gonna uh, play Dream. He was gonna write. He was, di- he was he gonna was. write, direct, and play Dream. Stop! Uh. Stop, Joseph Gordon. <laughs> okay, yeah, how about you, Shafik? Anything on your side? I wanna rec- I wanna recommend Blankets. Oh, Probably wow. one of the most emotional and one of the most uh, I would say self-reflecting stories I've read in a long time. And oh, was it? Uh, oh God! It's autobiographical. Oh. Yeah, yeah, dude, I mm. cried at the end of that. Also, well, if you have the chance, read Watchmen. Read Watchmen. Mm-hmm. That book is still timeless. It's timeless, but I mean, it's still probably yeah, the best uh, graphic graph- novel ever gra- made. Goddamn, if you haven't watched Watchmen, if you haven't read Watchmen, okay, mm-hmm. avoid the TV show, avoid the movie. Okay, if you, if yeah, you go were one straight of the, to the If you're one comic. of the lucky few who've managed to ignore the hype and you get to experience it for the first time... Mm. Trust me, that book will blow your mind. And it, also, it won't blow your mind that it was made way back in the 80s, but the fact that how timeless and how tight that story is, it's tried and true, man. Like, everybody I recommended, like, you know, have, have you, uh, where do I start when it comes to comic books, right? You want heavy stuff? Read Watchmen. If you can handle that, uh, then you and me have the same taste. If not... Mm. I do find okay, Watchmen then, like an intimidating recommend to some people. It's it's a bit like recommending The Wire to someone who wants to watch a new show. No, but like, you know when you meet that friend who hasn't seen The Wire and you know he liked The Wire? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like, But I would always say, like, yeah, I'll make it a point to always recommend Watchmen. If you want to start maybe, say, a Superman story, 
Grand Morrison's All Star Superman is a great place to start. Oh, perfect. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yes. That was a, that's a good one. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, like for a lot of people, it's like, where do I start with Superman? Read All Star Superman. You understand what he's about. Mm-hmm. Then you read Red Sun and all the crazy shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no, even, and even for Batman, right? Yeah, uh, Dark Knight Returns, but I agree with John also. Year one, those two are like great companion pieces. You want to get started with Batman, mm-hmm. but yeah, there you go. There is a wealth of information and a wealth of comic books out there. Uh, we here, the Last King, also a genre equality, are more than happy to help you on your comic book journey. Whether you're a new guy, an old guy, you know, in betweener, or somebody who just cares about the industry in whole. Uh, our hearts goes out to all the comic book stores that are suffering right now. Hope you pull through this, you know, especially to our fans in America. Uh, keep the faith alive, keep comics alive. So, uh, guys, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Last King Podcast. I think we can be wrapping up this episode right about now. Uh, Hids, you got any plugs? Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, do check me out. I have a pro wrestling podcast called Hard Hits Wrestling Podcast. You can find us on. Everywhere you find podcasts, uh, Spotify, Deezer, wherever you listen, iTunes or whatever. Uh, We'll have a new episode coming out on Wednesday. We'll be talking about the recent mass firings at the WWE. uh, Pretty shocking stuff. Uh, And obviously, genre equality is is, is my main one. Uh, We talk about fantasy, horror, and sci-fi every month, basically covering uh, all that content in comics, TV, and movies. Uh, So do check that out. You can find that on uh, all all podcast platforms as well. Okay, there you go. And how do we find you on Twitter or any other social media you want to plug out there? Oh, that's easy. Uh, I am just at Hitzir, uh, H-I-D-Z-I-R. Nobody has taken that, so that's me. <laughs> awesome. awesome. We all dream of getting our blue check mark one day, huh? <laughs> 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 then we're legit, sir. <laughs> okay, okay. so this has been, uh, I would say, the incredible shopping. <laughs> This has been the sensational Mr. Toffee. Uh, this has been the spectacular hit. <laughs> yeah. Signing out, true believers. <laughs>